Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another Big Game Indicating Dogs q and You guys know how these work. These are questions from people in the Big Game Indicating Dogs inner circle that are following the Deer Dog Training Blueprint. If you want to find out more about the Deer Dog Training Blueprint, you can go to biggameindicatingdogs.com and you can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram and YouTube all under Big Game Indicating Dogs. So our first question isn't really a question, it's more of a comment and it's from Tom. And Tom asked the question last time whether his pup was doing a lot of barking or whining in the kennel. Um, and this this is a good one for kenneling or crate training or anything like that. Basically trying to fix separation anxiety. Uh, Tom was is living in town and his pup was barking and whining a lot in the kennel. It was taking quite a while to settle down and obviously the, with neighbours in town and things it wasn't good. Um, so Tom basically came up with the idea himself to, instead of just putting the pup in the kennel and walking away, which is what we, uh, recommend in the blueprint. And that does work well. Um, there's a lot of different steps to that and make sure you get the pup, um, tired before putting it in there and doing that, um, get it tired and relaxed, fed, watered, comfortable, and then just walk away, um, Tom started sitting, he'd put the pup in the kennel, turn around, walk away, but only go about 10 metres away, and then he was sitting down, facing away from the pup, and just completely ignoring the pup. Not turning around, not saying anything, not saying anything to the pup once it was quiet, but just putting the pup in this kennel, walking away 10 metres, and sitting down, facing the other way, completely ignoring it. And he said his pup went from taking 10 minutes to quieten down so it was barking and whining for 10 minutes um, down to like one minute when he was sitting there and once the pup was quiet he'd just uh, quietly and carefully get up and walk away and the pup would stay quiet and he said and his question was is there any problem with doing this should I be doing it because it's not in the blueprint and I said um, I don't see any problem with that and the key to it to and, and Tom was on to it right from the start is um, that he completely ignored the pup. He didn't say anything while it was um, whining. He wasn't trying to reassure it while it was whining um, because reassuring a pup or a dog while it's barking or whining or unsure can be taken by the pup or dog as uh, you're sort of reaffirming the fact that it should be worried or scared or barking or crying, you know. Um, so it's, it's very important to either just only put pressure on it or completely ignore it altogether. And also, in that situation, I wouldn't want to say anything before I walk away, just walk away. Um, but it's a good little trick, and it, it's, it's just one more stepping stone. It's getting those rungs in the ladder closer. Lots of little steps and training is good. Um, and I think that was a good little trick, so... Um, yeah, so Tom had just basically said here that just wanted to say thanks for covering my last question in the Q&A and just an update with the sitting outside. It was only about a week from my comment and she started settling down before I even had a chance to sit down and since then she's been brilliant. I never hear a peep out of her. So that's awesome. Good stuff. Uh, our next question is Brian. Now, Brian's saying, I can only train my pup in a small area because my vet said I can't train off the section 
until after the third round of vaccinations. So this is something that we've had before. Um, generally here in New Zealand, and this can be different in different areas and with different vets, um, and sometimes uh, vets in certain different areas will have different time frames and different uh, amounts of rounds of vaccinations and different things because there's been a bit of an outbreak of a different um, you know, illness or something that your pup can get. It'll be parvo or something like that. It might be really bad in the area, so they're taking extra precautions. Um, what I say on this is always just listen to your vet, um, but we have had this come up a bit more often in New Zealand recently where the, uh, the vets, it's usually two rounds of parvo. Um, so... And that works out if you get your pup at eight weeks and it's had its gets its first shots um, as early as possible. If you get a pup at eight weeks, it's probably just had it had one lot of shots, and you need to wait four weeks until it gets its final vaccination. I think you've got to might have to wait a week after that until that vaccine that final vaccination's properly ready. Like it, you know, they want it to take another week. Um, and then you can take it off the section. So in the blueprint, we do the first four weeks of training at home. And then when you get that final shot, then we start going out into different areas. Um, but a few people have had the situation where they've got to wait another four weeks after that. And they're trying to follow the blueprint. Um, and in the blueprint, at the start of part two, which in, if, if everything's right on track, um, which it doesn't have to be, you can be, you can move faster through the blueprint you can move a lot slower through the blueprint um, and things like this are a good example um, some people are in that situation that at the end of part one and the start of part two when I start taking print off the section that they're in a situation where their vet said no nah, you don't take your pup or dog off the section or into other areas where other dogs might have been until for another four weeks so people are feeling a bit stuck there um, in the past, my my um, answer to that has been just don't worry about it. Just basically do as much as you can uh, just around the section or in whatever space you have available. And four weeks isn't much, you know, and we, we, we move through the things in the blueprint pretty quickly. So Brian's just asked... Um, I can only train my pup in a small area because my vet said I can't train off the section until after the third round of vaccinations. And he's having trouble getting his pup to walk in front. Um, he wants to hang around behind me and not walk in front. Do you have any tips other than what's in the blueprint? Um, I've shortened that question up a bit. I've rewrote it because um, it was quite long and a bit all over the place. Um, <clears throat> but... Hey, Brian did say that he was he had a paddock to work in too. He didn't I don't know how big that paddock is, Brian. But um if you've got a decent sized paddock to work in that other dogs aren't going into, so you can take your pup there at the moment. I don't have many other tips other than what's in the blueprint. Um which most of part two is all about how to get your pup walking in front, which is where we want a big game indicating dog working. And in the blueprint, uh, we do all our out front work first, which works really, really well. It's a, a massive change I made to my training system um, a long time ago now, years and years ago. And when I made that switch, 
to just start them off out in front. Um, heel is very easy to get later, particularly um, if you've followed a good training system, you haven't made loads of mistakes and you've done everything right. Um, it's a good rock solid heel is relatively easy to get. Having a dog that walks nice and clean line out in front, slow and close, is under good control out in front, is difficult. So, and, and training a heel and out in front at the same time screws it up. So, um, so much of the blueprint is about getting that nice, clean, tidy, under control lead of the dog walking out in front. Um, and that all starts in part two. And, um, I mean, there's loads, and most of part two is about that, about um, we basically hold the pup back. If things are roughly on track, and again, if you're two weeks in front, two weeks behind, three or four weeks in front, three or four weeks behind, it doesn't really matter. Um, as long as you're not rushing things through and putting more pressure on your pup or dog than you need to, it doesn't really matter. Um, but in the start, beginning of part two, um, a big part of getting the pup to walk out in front is getting out into a bigger area. If you're in a small area, like a, like I was with print in my section, I had quite a big section actually and I could walk in big circles around the house and sometimes print would sort of click on where I was going and take the lead a little bit. But um, it's it was really once we get out into a bigger, more interesting area and the dog actually has room to explore, they start looking, getting in. It's also as the pup gets a bit more age on them too. They start to get more uh, confident and more curious as to what's out and around them and ahead of them and they'll start to want to naturally lead. And then the beginnings of setting up range is basically just holding that back. Um, so some of the first fundamentals of setting a pup up to walk out in front is going out into a bigger area covering more ground and then walking the same route around that area that's a big one too if you're always walking in different directions in different places and you're sort of deciding where to go the whole time and it changes every time the pup doesn't really know where to walk um where to go so it can lead but if you walk the same route around the same area every time, um, like with print and the blueprint, I'd go out the front gate, had a little side gate there, and I'd go up the grass strip on the side of the road through the same place in the fence um, into a paddock, um, go straight across the paddock, down the hill, across to around this track, across to another gate, right around the back. Um, when I put the long line on and walk over to that gate, print learnt pretty quick exactly where we were going. I'd open the gate and he'd walk out and start walking off down the side of the road um, towards the next gap in the fence. You know, they learn where you're going, so they start leading. Um, so if you can get that going, Brian, uh, where you are, that's what I would try and do. And, and all of the other stuff, that's in part two of the blueprint. I would watch ahead too. Um, if you're working on part two, watch part three and four so you can see where we're going. But those are the main fundamentals of it. Bigger area so the pup wants to start leading and exploring and then walk the same route around the same area. If you haven't got enough room to do that properly and the vet has said uh, 
you need another round of shots, I wouldn't stress about it. Whether whether you're starting that stuff at 12 weeks old or 16 weeks old, it's honestly not a huge deal, man. Um, I know it can be a bit of a pain. Um, some pups are wanting to go. Some pups that are a bit more forward and confident are wanting to do more. That can make it difficult too. It could be loads of different things. It could be that your pup isn't confident enough, so it's not wanting to lead. Or it could be that your pup is so forward and confident that it's looking at this little area that you're working in and it's getting bored, so it's looking back to you more um, because it's finding you more interesting than this boring little area. And so it could be lots of different things. Um, and it can be a pain because then it feels like training isn't as constructive because the your dog's not doing the right thing or it might even be... That's when things like um, the pup getting a little bit frustrated and wanting to pour at you or bite at you or not listen to drills properly um, can happen too. And that's why in part one of the blueprint, um, we don't go for rock solid compliance. We're just trying to spend time with our pup, um, link actions with commands, create some of those patterns, keep it as calm and as constructive as possible. Um, and we're really just biding our time until we can get out into those bigger areas and start that stuff that's in part two. Um, so, so I, th that's the main thing, man. Is I just don't, I, I just wouldn't overthink it. I wouldn't stress out about it. I just try to keep everything chill and constructive. Really watch that stuff in part one, two, three, four type of thing. Um, <clears throat> have a look at how chill I'm keeping things in part one. Have a look at those fundamentals of getting a pup walking in front that are in part two. Watch your head a little bit to get sort of more perspective on where you're going and um, you'll be sweet as. Let's have a quick drink. <clears throat> uh, Elliot. Um, I've rewritten this too. This was pretty long. Um, it was good though. Like plenty of details. Um, and it's an interesting subject this so Elliot has basically asked my heading dog Labrador cross isn't as naturally calm as print it wasn't the most confident pup but it definitely wasn't the most quiet one and I'm seeing it come through in training and day-to-day -day life what are the challenges of training a more forward and confident pup and do you think you can get the same result as with a calmer dog. <clears throat> Elliot's gone on to say, on a side note, sometimes my pup will show lots of eye on other dogs when we're out walking. He will crouch down and sneak and point and get very intense. He did ask, is this a sign of strong eye, weak pull? And yeah, it is. That's exactly it, man. He's saying, sometimes I have to give my go command to get him moving again when he's doing this whole stalk and point and crouch thing on other dogs. Uh, sometimes when I see things like this, I wonder if this is a good thing and I've actually got a dog that has loads of potential. I would say, and, and Elliot did mention that his dog was uh, bred by Julian Payne from his uh, Labrador Seek, and, and Seek is a really good, nice little dog. But Julian 
did say that she's got a lot of drive on the retrieves. Like you can just, she'll just run retrieves all day. Some dogs, you throw a few and they get sick of it. The repetitive thing. But he said Seek is very hot. We'll just keep going and going and going. <clears throat> uh, I'm not sure who the, these pups dad was. I I'm, I'm don't know if it was Julian's older heading dog or um, another dog there. But... Um, <clears throat> So basically, the more forward, uh, confident, full-on pup versus Print, who was very calm, and I chose that dog that was sitting back. And Print really was, um, did turn out to be one out of the box. Um, But I was actually thinking about this after reading this question and thinking about how I was going to answer it. And you see how calm Print is in training. He's like that in day-to-day life too. Um, very calm, very chill, um, very easy to train, easy to handle in the bush. Um, but uh, he's pretty plain-eyed on the deer, and and he will sneak and point, um, and all of that. But not as much as other dogs that I've had, um, because then Elliot goes on to say. <clears throat> about how this dog's showing lots of sneak and point, um, strong eye, weak pull characteristics. Um, I think we talked about strong eye and weak, was it the last one or the one before? I think it was a bit of both, but the one before. Yeah, yeah, the one, the Q&A, not the one before this, but the one before that, I went in depth on that, if you're wondering what I'm talking about there. It's basically just a dog with strong eye and a strong point, strong sneak and point. Um, <clears throat> but as far as, you know, can you get the same result as with a calmer dog? Um, this is what I mean about this being an interesting subject. So you could have a dog like Print that is very calm and cruisy and easy, and that can equate to a dog that's super, super effective uh, in the bush. As a hunter, Fly was a bit like that. And that super calm around the house, super easy to train, super smart. Um, but then she also had that extra, that real strong eye and sneak, and she was just out the gate good at hunting and stalking and pointing and all of that as well. Prince calm and easy, but he doesn't have that same uh, uh, <clears throat> intensity and, basically, for lack of a better word, he doesn't have that same talent in the bush on as far as the sneak and the point goes. He's very, very good. Um, and I've actually been putting him in, um, and it, he, he's got a lot of drive. He hunts like mad. Like as far as a dog that as soon as you get into the bush, um, he's just all about finding a deer and here, whatever is the freshest, like um, at scent. And it might not be fresh. It might be a deer that's walked through last night He'll hunt that as full on as a real fresh mark or a direct wind. It doesn't matter. He's just going for it. Heaps of drive, really, really keen, doesn't give up or just hunt all day. And he's very, very effective at finding deer. Um, He's very good at reading a scent and reading the wind and pinpointing the animal off the wind too. Um, and he's got so good at it so quickly 
but then he doesn't have that same uh, that really good sneak in and point. So I've actually been he lets me know and pinpoints the animal from quite far out, and I've been putting him in at heel, and that's been in a couple of my um and some YouTube videos both on Big Game Indicating Dogs YouTube channel and Paul John Michael's YouTube channel, um, where Prince indicating, winding, taking me in, and he starts staring right in the direction of the animal, and I'm reading him and reading the whole situation, and I know this animal's right here in front of us. It's just over the brow or something. So I pr put Print in behind. Um, whereas Fly, I would leave her out front, and she'd just ninja right in and just lock up. <clears throat> um then Elliot you asked in, in your original question um, about Miko how she she was the most forward and confident one of the litter um, the guy that bred that litter said that she said when the pups are running around she's always the one in front just leading the pack and and that's come through in all of her training everything that she does she's just full on all over the place Um and it's funny, like even when we were, um, when I was off on that rafting mission the other day, and so we were next to the river, and I'm loading up the raft and blowing it up and mucking around, packing dry bags and tying them on. It took quite a while, and Print and Miko are both there. Print's just sort of cruising around us, just waiting and just looking at us. Miko's freaking ten meters over there, locked up, pointing in the bloody um willows like there's a yeah. like there's a stag in there and i guess probably a mouse you know like i don't know what she's just so full on and into everything and you call her back turn your back for two seconds look up again where is she she's never far away but she's just always all go all over the place having said all that though so she's full on and she's taken more work and more time having said that though her, her, the amount of talent that she has is ridiculous. And you are, you were asking about, um, do you think I could train her to be a big game indicating dog? I'm going to, and she's, I think she's going to be. I basically know she's going to be really, really good. She's going to be a little bit of work, maybe take a little bit longer. She's already got more. You know, she's about two now. Um, I trained her with the Palmico dog guide, so she's had no big mistakes um, made with her. She hasn't chased animals or done it. She's not gun shy. She hasn't had no massive mistakes. Oh, she has chased Pukikos a couple of times. So a couple of small mistakes, but not the really big mistakes of, of um, you know, screwing up a dog because you've shot over it without doing proper introduction to gunfire or um, taking a dog out hunting deer when you don't have proper control over the dog and you shoot a deer or wound a deer or spook the deer and the dog just takes off chasing a deer barking and you know yapping off through the bush or um, sending a dog out after wounded deer and next and the dog's chasing the deer down into the creek and it's got it by the throat in the creek and all that sort of stuff that can be very difficult to undo Miko's had none of that super crazy stuff um but she hasn't had all of that structured training from the blueprint. Um, I'm going to do some training with her. Basically, I'm going to do what I used to do in the deer dog training boot camps. And we're going to film it too. 
um, and make sort of a, a and we're going to do a video product with it so people will be able to buy it and see exactly what I do basically what I used to do in the deer dog training boot camps so people can put their older dogs that haven't had loads of massive mistakes with them through a quick training course a few weeks and basically start hunting um, not as good as the blueprint but a pretty handy thing to have out there for a lot of people as well um, and with Miko I know it's going to work very very well it's been a completely different path getting there she's two years old now I followed all this other training um, it's it's obviously taken a lot longer she's over two years old um, I'll pretty much definitely be hunting her on the long line uh, she's probably not she won't be quite as clean and tidy and as perfect as what print was when I started off hunting but I think in the end should be really, really good. Um, and as far as taking a dog like Miko, really full on, forward and confident, um, and if I had started her off as a pup in the blueprint um, and trained her with the blueprint all the way through, um, she'd be great, man. She'd be great. She would have been more work, maybe taken more time, wouldn't have been quite as easy at the start when hunting. Um, but she would have got there and she would be just as good if not arguably better um, and the things that you're telling me about your dog yeah it's a bit more full on it's not the most forward it's going through training pretty well I'm seeing it do all the sneaking and pointing and stuff it sounds really really good man um, to me and, and you know in the blueprint I talk about getting that quiet dog because it's just the blueprint's all about giving as many people as possible the best chance possible of having the best dog possible you know um, that's our mission statement with big game indicating dogs and my dog training and the blueprint and the palmico dog guide as well is helping as many people as possible to train the best dogs possible um, and if you've got the choice i think for a big game indicating dog it is good to try and get that calm that calmer more um standoffish dog and start with that but um those more confident forward dogs can arguably be better it can just take more work and time um and it can land in so many different ways print's very calm easy to deal with he hasn't got that same sneak you might actually get quite a full-on forward confident dog that's a bit of a pain in some situations, but when it gets onto the scent of an animal, it goes real sneaky and intense, and it's very, very good. Um, so it can go, you know, multiple ways. But that's it, guys. Only three questions there for today, because uh, we got back to this one a little bit sooner. Thanks to everyone who signed up to the Deer Dog Training Blueprint and the Palmico Dog Guide lately. Um, shout out to everyone in the inner circle. And remember, if you want to learn more about Big Game Indicating Dogs and the Deer Dog Training Blueprint, you can go to biggameindicatingdogs.com. You can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Um, check out my new hunting videos on Paul John Michaels on YouTube. And I'm also on Instagram as well under Paul John Michaels. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you later.